Hey everybody, how you doing? I uh, want to welcome you back in to another episode of Jeremy Takes on HIT. This is going to focus on a uh, survey results that came out oh, probably about a month ago now from uh, Venrock, who last couple of years have been doing some surveys around the health IT sector and really just kind of get, get the pulse on some... Uh, anonymous opinions which do a couple of things one you can feel pretty confident that what you're going to get is a um, validation of a lot of opinions of the people that are giving or answering the survey uh, they want to make sure that they feel right and kind of what they're saying but two you just kind of get a perspective from a population of people that uh, make bets for a living on where healthcare IT is going so I'm going to do a couple of things. One, I'm going to talk about the results of this year's survey and kind of just go through that. But then towards the end, I guess as a teaser, stick around and kind of see how this compared to last year's survey. And then I'll also talk about how uh, the things that I actually did a podcast, you can go back to some of the uh, one of the earlier episodes, two or three, and where I talked about last year's Venrock and I'll kind of go over what I said during that uh, episode and see how, uh, where I was right and maybe where I was wrong. And uh, so you can kind of get a, a feel for how the market's moving year over year. So let's get into it uh, and kind of talk about first uh, what, uh, what the VC market had to say about 2019. Uh, but first, uh, just a quick, uh, a quick state, uh, message. All right. <clears throat> so what, what you saw basically, uh, it's an opinion this year. I, I feel like, and, and Venrock kind of goes back and talks about how they've been doing this. I think this is their third year, third or fourth year. And so the feeling that I see here is that what you're actually starting to get is a maturation of the opinion of, of the VC community. And I think that that's probably, um, exhibited in a couple of different places. I mean, one, uh, you're starting to see uh, any talk of change. I think there's still an optimism for change in a lot of different aspects in here, but I think that it is starting to uh, level out. I mean, you know, the first question they talk about is will, uh, how are the companies going to overall do and how is the investment going to keep going? And I think it's going to go, but I, st <clears throat> I think you're starting to see um, some people recognize that we're reaching a certain uh, steady state. Uh, the growth end of the of the market is starting to to max out, and you're start, just starting to reach, you know, maybe the end of a business uh, of one of the business cycles here, where you're going to start seeing some either consolidation or some shakeout. I'm not exactly sure, but it's definitely some feeling at least among the VC market, that, you know, they've put a bunch of money into this, uh, into these companies, and I think everybody's kind of starting to see what's going to happen, where where the trends are going to be, where do they start seeing some return on that investment. You know, to that end, it looks like, you know, talent and hiring is, is uh, a big deal. Um, and so my perspective, just because I work for a company based out in the Valley, uh, is that uh, 
you're starting to see some super competitive labor markets out there. And that's indicative of two things. One, obviously, it's really competitive out in the San Francisco, Silicon Valley area, but then also just overall around the country, the labor market is really tight. And I think you're just finding people are starting to have issues trying to pick up uh, available labor and and to to basically create these companies and to just go out and say, you know, within you know two or three years of founding, I want to be able to source a hundred people. I don't know that that's that that easy anymore. Um, I, so what are the aspects that you're going to start seeing of that? I'm not sure. I don't know how, you know, I think the traditional outsourcing markets of India, I don't know how the Indian economy is going right now. I'm starting, I, I would suspect that overall economies uh, are okay. Uh, you're starting to hear places like China where the economy is slipping a little bit. But I think that there's just not these great repositories of labor, especially around IT, that are going to be able to be snatched up uh, and quickly brought to bear uh, for any new uh, startups or companies out there. So it's really interesting. I think a lot of the low-hanging fruit, to use a very bad cliche or at least a very tired cliche, around uh, you know the cloud and you know AWS or Google or uh, Azure. I think it's just you know that's already baked into the labor market at this point. There's no there's no savings to be found anymore from a talent standpoint by not having to have you know server admins or anything as far as that goes um, to take care of a data center. That's just um, that's already gone at this point. So now you're you're really looking at the core. Uh, resources that you've got to have to run your company and they're just you know it's just super hard to find so I, th I think that's a recognition of the VCs to know that you know they're gonna invest in a new startup that that's one of the probably uh, a long ramp to look at as far as how it's gonna take to get the resources to get up to speed you know on the other side of this is I think there's still a lot of optimism you know, uh, they talked about, you know, basically investment investments that you lost that uh, the VCs missed out on. And nobody's really having a lot of heartburn over it. You know, I would think that there's a lot of competitiveness or, you know, jealousy around people not having certain companies inside their portfolio. But, you know, everybody's, I think everybody's starting to see that there's a lot of opportunity and also a lot of need. So a company can hit it pretty good, and but that doesn't mean that uh, one company's success in healthcare IT is going to be a limiting factor to another company. You know, especially if you look at most of the startups these days don't really exist in that EHR space, so we can kind of carve that out. Um, and so when you when you do that, and you're not looking to bring in a technology that has to replace something that already exists inside of an organization it's a net new spend or it's a new initiative that just means that the sales cycle is going to be easier because there's not somebody actively working against you plus if you look at some of these big hitters inside the you know in, inside the, the the industry there's not a ton of overlap I mean, everybody's kind of got their take on what's going to make a difference. So, I, you know, it makes you feel like the sales cycle for a lot of these companies 
is a lot more on education and persuasion of the mission than necessarily the execution or the I don't want to say value, but maybe just the the what drives one company over the competitor because there's just not that I don't see that many head-to-head competitors. I mean, you look at like let's just take one out there. There's 23 and Me. I mean, there are other genetic companies out there, but I think they're far and away that leader in that space. So 23andMe is probably spending a lot more time convincing people what the value is to genetic testing or genome mapping over, hey, we're the best retail genome mapping uh, direct-to-consumer company out there. Here's all the features that we offer that others don't, that kind of thing. So that's just something to think about, you know, when we start looking at, you know, the market as a whole, companies as a whole, what's what's driving uh, some to perform better, what's what's kind of helping these companies, maybe some of these that we saw had a lot of big, big buzz, but haven't seen a lot of outcome. <laughs> There's a politics piece of the 2019 that I don't know that I remember from the 2018 and I didn't talk about in 2018, probably because if I said anything, it was don't count on politics, don't count on the government to do anything. They've kind of made their bet with ACA and now you've got 2020 coming up. So the government, federal government in 2019 is not going to do anything. What what you're going to see talked about, I think, mostly around healthcare is going to be Medicare for all. So I don't know. That's really dangerous for healthcare IT. Um, so we'll just see. We'll see what happens. There's uh, I have I have opinions about Medicare for all, kind of in general, and um, that's not what this is about. So <laughs> we'll go down that path. Drug pricing, they talk about that. Nothing's going to happen there. So really, we kind of get into what what I talked about last year and then this year. What are the portions of healthcare IT? Where is it going? So, you know, we talk about, they talked about blockchain. That's not moving anywhere. Apple kind of fell on its face a little bit where they tried to talk about the ECG. I've had plenty of episodes where I've talked about Apple you know, not surprising, less than half think it's a trend. You know, to be honest, you know, to kind of put a bow on it, the Apple Watch and the ECG and all that stuff, it's the next Fitbit. You know, it had its day, they made some money, there it goes. You know, when you look at it, what, what Apple's really trying to do is make their watch a platform, like you had the iPhone as a platform. One of the fundamental fatal flaws of the Apple Watch, just in general, as a as a platform, is it's not an independent platform. If all you have is an Apple Watch, and you don't have an iPhone, then you don't have anything. So, you know, I, I don't think that people have really kind of put that together necessarily. I don't know if, if the VC crowd understands that you know, people are going to be apprehensive of the Apple Watch. I, how about this way? As a very tech-savvy person living in an area of very untech-savvy people, the Apple Watch has a long hill to climb from the standpoint of whether you're in one camp or the other, 
nobody is going to use the Apple Watch as a motivation or a deciding factor to move from Android or to, to iOS. And so Apple, I think, is trying to backdoor that a little bit, but you're not going to get... I just don't think you're going to get traction out of that. And there's no clinical significant finding to push people in that way. So, I mean, up until the point that you can start convincing docs to prescribe the Apple Watch, which I then think you'll get a bunch of pushback from payers, because when you look at the new Apple phones, you know, I just don't see people making a DME um, prescription of, you know, probably right at 1500 bucks to do something without super strong ROI and clinical outcomes that go along with it. And it's just not happening. You know, and so kind of, where, where, so where does that leave us? I mean, you know, basically let's kind of go back and look at last year at this point. And, you know, there were some questions around where, where are we going? Well, you've got, you know, a lot of people thinking where, who's going to make the most progress in 2018? And so they were talked about Amazon, Apple, Google, IBM, and Microsoft. You know, and IBM and Microsoft were at 5%. Well, guess what? We were right about that. You know, Watson got shut down. I, I saw that they went live at one hospital the other day, but it's not, they're not going anywhere. Microsoft shut down its health vault process. They, I hear they're making some investments here and there, but nobody's expecting Microsoft to do diddly. I mean, they're, what you're looking at is the future of Microsoft is going to be really, if you, if you follow the long-term trend, Microsoft is only going to be as successful in healthcare as Epic is able to maintain its dominance in the EHR market. So why are Epic and Microsoft tied together? <laughs> because of InterSystems. InterSystems cache, and I don't really understand why, but it just does because it runs fine on Linux. I, you find a lot of InterSystems cache customers running on Microsoft. So you've got Microsoft being a two you know degrees of separation away from Epic. And even then it's some commoditized you know Azure uh, environment you know that's going to just kind of be pushed way back down the line. So you know Amazon being at the top at 51%. I mean really if you look at it if you take pill pack away from Amazon, what uh, what have they really done? Nothing. Same, but but Apple's done no better. There's nobody really to push anybody else off the off the top of the hill. You know, I know CNBC came out. I'm making this podcast on May the 13th. CNBC came out the week uh, the Friday before with this big article on pill pack and how it's done something. I mean, the thing is, is yeah. But I said a long time ago uh, on Twitter, if you follow me, that PillPack made a lot of sense because it was a retail way to get into healthcare IT that kind of lined up with Amazon to begin with. But I mean, to be critically or at least very precise about this, it is retail pharmacy, you know, with some fancy packaging. 
which, oh, by the way, hospitals have already been doing that kind of packaging for, you know, decades. I mean, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, what's the chance, and I don't think it's super high, but just a for instance, you could see McKesson, which is a Fortune 10 company, which is, you know, one of the fifth or sixth biggest companies in the nation. Oh, by the way, they're like nothing but a drug distributor for hospitals. They could turn to a retail pharmacy side of this and do the exact same thing and be a one-to-one competitor to PillPack and totally turn that into a very competitive market space and easily, easily crush PillPack just because they've got the economies of scale buying from the pharmaceutical companies. You know, they could they could very easily duplicate what PillPack is doing because it is not any kind of whiz-bang, new, innovative, you know, patentable secret sauce product. I mean, they're putting your pills in a little envelope that you take at certain times of the day. You pull it out of the box, tear it off. If you're going to be out for a whole day, you pull the you pull the packets out that represent your day. If you have four times a day that you take meds, each pill is already preset. I mean, think about the the Meemaw, you know, Monday through Friday pill box thing. It's basically just a prepackaged version of that. Not complicated, and like I said, been done in hospitals for uh, for decades. I mean, you know, it's called a pick list. Um, so it's 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 nice. It's interesting. It's nice that they're doing it at the retail level, but it's not it's not it's not terribly innovative. Uh, you know. Last year, Venrock talked about, you know, AI was going to be the big boost. They didn't say talk about that much this year. I think, you know, once again, the maturity levels just kind of hit the the space now, and they know AI is going to do something, but it's just going to take a while. And I think everybody's looking to see kind of what can you do with that tech. I mean, so, I mean, put AI and blockchain in separate but equal buckets. I mean, it's an idea. It's a way to do something. Now, how do you make it applicable or valuable to healthcare? Well, that is the huge question. I mean, that's the huge question for any technology, is how do you increase the value over what's going on in healthcare today in order to make somebody do it? I just tweeted today, you know, there's two rules. The first two rules in HIT is patients don't pay, and the rule two is neither do docs. So to overcome that momentum and that inertia of the marketplace of, you know, finding something that patients are going to pay for is incredibly hard. Now you're going to have a technology that you've got to sell and prove, and then you've got to turn around and kind of package it up to meet all the regulatory environments to make sure that you play nice. If you need data from the interoperability space, how does that work? And then somehow be able to deliver, you know, something in a reasonable timeline. It's it's a year's 
bet. It's a year's effort. You know, years meaning more than one year, more than three or four years. You know, there are no overnight successes in healthcare. I know that that's probably a meme in the music industry that people say, oh, you're an overnight success. It's like, yeah, that overnight just took five years of playing bars and and one night stands down, you know, one road, you know, down the road after the other. And that's really what it's like in healthcare IT. You've got to grind it out and really make a space for yourself all the while that you're evolving and changing and, you know, trying to figure out how this all kind of works. So it's, um, if if I look at what, uh, what I said last year specifically, so I'll kind of just quickly go down the list as, as we start to wrap this up. I said, um, don't look for real results from companies making progress. Yep, I think we saw that. Apple, Amazon, uh, JP, the J.P. Morgan, Berkshire, Amazon company, they haven't done anything. The only people that have really benefited so far is all the cardiologists that don't have to practice cardiology anymore. Uh, Microsoft and IBM are, are done. Yep, said that last year. I was right there. I said, uh, hardware over software is cyclical, and it's software's time to shine. Um, we'll see. Hardware seems to be making a comeback. I mean, Apple Watch is trying to make it. There's a lot of these devices that are out there. Uh, we'll see. I, I still think it's mostly going to be a software solution, um, you know, where it said SaaS is here to stay. Everything's going to be in the cloud now. If if you have a solution that has to be installed on-prem, um, boy, <laughs> good luck. Um, you might as well also have to sell a fax machine with your solution, too. So... It looks like, I mean, I probably didn't take that much of a step off the limb last year, but uh, pretty much everything's right. I don't know where there's anything to that I was in, was wrong on. Um, you know, we'll see. I, I, maybe when they come out in 2020, I'll do a three-year look back and kind of keep seeing how these uh, opinions age over time. But, I mean, you know, if you just, if you just hit pause in the middle of the movie... It looks like this is kind of where everything's going to end up. So we'll see. You know, I think, you know, if we look, if I look ahead to the rest of this year and into next year, it's going to be AI, it's going to be machine learning, or it's going to be, you know, predictive aspects to this. How do we crunch data to help you um, recognize, you know, whether it's conditions or it's, you know, pulling all your data together. I will say that data aggregation, there seems to be so much move around that. I mean, that's really what Apple's doing uh, with their PHR. I still see that. And you look at now you've got ONC coming in with their data blocking rule. There's a lot of momentum for that. You know, what the what is the long-term take on that goes? You know, I've said before that um, you could really see the EHRs shift as far as that goes we'll see i think that's at least five years out but uh, it's interesting to see that there's not gonna i don't see a lot of headwinds for that they're just kind of i think it's everybody's now understands especially whether it's the money represented by the vcs whether it's the entrepreneurs trying to make things happen or it's the hospitals themselves now see that nobody has all enough of the data to make a difference 
in outcomes and really is starting to be all about outcomes. I will say this right before I wrap up that I had somebody send me an interesting take on this. There was There is a prediction out there that Cerner will be acquired this in the next year. So I don't know in the ne- if that means next 365 days or before December 31st, 2019. We'll, we'll see. That's, that's definitely the boldest take. So I won't tie that to anybody, but I will give them credit if, uh, if they're right. So that's, that's definitely, that would be, that would be huge if Cerner got acquired, especially by a company outside of healthcare IT. It would, uh, it would take a long time. There would definitely be probably a lot of federal inquiry into it and hard getting past the uh, FTC, but uh, whew, that would be huge. So uh, so that's it for today. Uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Uh, go back and listen to the old episode uh, and see. Uh, maybe I missed something. Let me know. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter and uh, let me know what you'd like to hear about next. But anyway, uh, until next time. My time is up, and as always, I'm grateful for yours.